I'm Aaron, that's Will. We are bringing you the passion, tradition and drama of college football to listeners down under. Because we fucking love college football. They hand it off to Johnson, Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? Whoa, he has trouble with the snap and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson and he scores on the last play of the game. Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. I'm joined, as always, by Will, the producer, Murden. How's it going today, Will? Uh, one of us is obviously not paying the bills around here. <laughs> I mean, I can see that. We're sitting in the dark. We, we have no power here in the studio. So, this we are having to uh, downgrade a bit of equipment. But we've managed to go powerless. Just doing the right thing by the environment today, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We just we need to get it out for the people. There's exactly. That expectation we do it. So we're going to battle through here. Apologies if the quality isn't uh, as crisp as it normally would be. As what you've become used to with this operation. <laughs> but we're going to see how it goes, and and hopefully she's not too bad for you. All right. So we have wrapped up week twelve. It is in the books. We have got some. Um, Big games that happened. I mean, not a massively heavy-hitting slate this week, but there was still enough to keep people interested and still enough quality games. Again, a few probably popped up out of nowhere a little bit, but uh, still had some really good results, which was fantastic. Uh, We'll go through some of those games. We'll have a quick chat about the Aussies in action. Not that it was a great day for them. Uh, Bold predictions, not so good, but I'm more than happy to talk about what happened on the punt this week. I'm happy for you to talk about it too. All right, so obviously your uh, your scheduling little chat that you had, some just lyrical genius that you are, uh, managed to push me over the edge with the punting game. Right, so that's none, none of this is on me. When when we look at some of the figures, we'll um we'll truly see how impressive your weekend was. Okay. Or how unimpressive my season has been. <laughs> well, at least we haven't crossed that. Uh, 30-unit threshold, which I feel is the point where everyone gets out. Uh, All right, so key takeaways from this week, Will. Uh, Where would you like to start? I think for me, this one, it's really setting up for the perfect chaos scenario this year. And and it's exactly what I want because I'm a big proponent of the eight-team playoff. I would love to see that. I would love to see conference champ have a guaranteed spot. And then three at-large bids, or sorry, two at-large bids, and then one reserve for the top group of five team. What do you mean by an at-large bid? That's where you would have a committee or a vote for the most deserving who's not a champion, I suppose. Okay. So I so, really... for, so this year, for example, might be say Georgia, say Georgia loses the national championship game, or. You know, then it could come down to maybe Georgia or LSU go yep. in as yeah, a second. Yeah, something like that. I think this year. The way that Notre Dame are, they could only really take one of those at-large bids, so you would lock them away for one of them. Yeah, uh, You'd have the five conference champs, you'd have UCF, and then you would take, yeah, maybe a Georgia, depending on how the conference championship games play out. Okay. So yep. I think the way things are shaping up, it's really playing into that being definitely brought up. I think everyone's going to be thinking, man, there's some quality teams that are being left out here. End of the day, I don't think it really matters because Alabama are that much better and then Clemson are a little bit further behind them, but it's them and a bit of daylight. I don't think it really matters, but there's whoever finishes fifth, sixth, seventh, and you know, even UCF out of the eight are going to be making some noise to say, This is ridiculous, I got a shot. And all it takes is a couple of things to really split it wide open. So if Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama is still going to be in the top four. Yeah. That's going to be their only loss, it'll be a good loss. So then what, Georgia have to come in. Yeah. So then you've got two SEC teams again, and what? So who doesn't get the gig then? Clemson win out, Notre Dame win out. So the and Big, big and- Ten champ with 12 wins and only that one loss to Notre Dame potentially doesn't get in? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know who you're taking out then. Possibly or an undefeated Notre Dame? Exactly right. Do and they I mean, miss? It can't happen because they've played some pretty good teams. Well, and, and they beat... They beat Michigan. Team. Yeah. The only thing I have about that is it's week one and 
you can't consider these wins and losses, unfortunately. It's the nature of the beast. But They weren't even playing their starting quarterback there. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you can't consider it in a vacuum, though. Like, it's a evolving thing from week to week, and Michigan are playing far better now than what they were in week one. Yep. So, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, I, while I don't see Alabama losing, if they do, that throws a massive spanner in the works. I mean, Clemson could drop a game. Who knows? Uh Oklahoma really need everything to go their way. And then if what Ohio State beat Michigan and then they're a 12-team, one-loss Big Ten champ with some pretty good wins, who do you take in there? It, it gets really interesting. This is what you're after. This is what you've wanted for so, weeks now. So much so. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't really see it happening because I don't see Clemson losing to Pitt in the ACC championship game. I don't think there's going to be any carnage there. But there could be a little bit that comes down further. And there's teams that have got a serious claim. I mean, a team we haven't spoken about, but Washington State. I mean, their one loss is a one-pointer to USC, who, yeah, you know, that probably hasn't aged that well. Uh, but it's never easy to win down there in Los Angeles and everyone else. They've pretty much blown out. So, you know, where do they sit in the grand scheme of things? Hard to say. Continuing on from that, I think it's just been a weird season. Like, it feels like we are, like you mentioned, on this continual march to a rematch of Clemson-Alabama in the national championship game. Those two teams seem far and away the best, but... It's just had some odd games. It It's the first time that I can really, really remember well. Where, although there was favorites, there was some doubt. And there was some potential losses there for these teams. It just doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like Alabama can lose, and it doesn't feel like Clemson can lose, and the only loss they're going to have is to each other. Yeah. Um, so it seems like the season's kind of done in lots of respects. Correct. Like You didn't think that Alabama would lose, but you thought it might be a chance. Like It was there was potential for it to happen. It was unlikely, but then it did play out. This year, you think that there's no way that that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you can't see it. Auburn, seven-win team, it ain't happening. Yeah. So, it has been a bit of a weird season with a lot of, you know, upsets still, particularly in the Big the Big 10 and the Pac-12 and, and the Big 12 and the Big as well, 12, beating yeah. up on each other. But, you know... There just hasn't been the full chaos at the top that perhaps we've seen in past years. The The top four have been pretty solid yeah. since LSU fell out, which is what we kind of expected from earlier in the year. Yeah. All right. What else you got for All us? All right. So I just wanted to quickly have, not that I've got much from the remainder of the weekend. I thought it was a, an interesting week to watch. I think there's still some very flawed teams out there in, in Oklahoma particularly. Um, I think Ohio State has still got a lot of questions around what they do. Uh, and, you know, the, the rumors surrounding Urban Meyer, uh, Urban Meyer continue to, to gain some momentum, which is not good for the Buckeyes. But, you know, we, that story will develop into the offseason. But I did quickly want to jump across to the group of five teams. We updated very quickly last week the Power Five teams and who sits in their championship potential or the looking at their championship, their playoff games. Do you, how good is your knowledge of the group of five teams? Oh, I reckon I can. You did it to me last week. I mean, the power five and the group of five is different game, surely, but all right, I'm up for the challenge. You're up for the challenge. Okay, let's start in, let's start the easiest one. What about the American? The American, okay. UCF play in the American. UCF, yes. They control the East and okay. are undefeated, of course. 23-game winning yep, streak. So, so they'll be going to the championship game. And I imagine after beating Cincinnati, they'll play USF? Not USF because they're in the same, same side. Same side, okay. So there's two other teams. Uh, Temple? Temple is also in the same side. Okay. Yeah. You're going all right here, though. No, nah, I'm at a loss. Houston. Houston, okay. So Houston or Memphis. Now, just on that Houston one, a bit of interesting information came out on two fronts for the Cougars this week. Yep. Uh, the first one being Derek King is done for the year. Serious injury, which is not good for him. And the other one was in their win over Tulane, the Ed Oliver-Major-Applewhite interaction. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did see some news about that. So, fighting over a jacket on the sideline? Yeah, we, which sounds... When you say it black and white like that, it makes it sound very petty and it there's probably more to it than that, which I don't have a problem with. I mean, the biggest issue probably for me started was that he was ruled out of the game with, with a knee injury and before the game, there's video of him catching 
running out, you know, wide receiver outs and jumping and catching one-handed passes. And he didn't look like he was too injured. Anyway, during the game, he was it was a frosty night and he was wearing a, a jacket, which Houston have a limited amount of and they get kept for the, the guys playing in the game. And he was wearing one. So Major Applewhite said, no, take it off. El Oliver's like, well, I'm the biggest thing this program's ever had. You know who the hell I am? Hey? You know who the hell I am? Exactly, exactly. He wasn't happy with being told that he had to take the jacket off. Now, they've rectified it. The media blew it out of proportion, but that is a little bit of news or not news on the Houston front. The Derek King injury is more of an issue uh, for them, and I think that that makes UCF an even hotter favorite going into their championship game in the American. Definitely, definitely. They've kind of been sputtering a bit down down the way Houston. They were yeah. putting up huge numbers early on, but... Struggled in a couple of games lately, so yeah, disappointing for him. For sure. Uh, okay, what about the Mountain West? Oof, all right, Mountain West. You're going to have to help me out here. Do uh, Utah State play in the Mountain yeah, West? Yeah, go on. So this one comes down to Utah State and the Boise State game next week. Okay. Uh, that's the kind of match for the Mountain Division of the conference. So in the Mountain West, they've got the Mountain and the West, which I think is good naming. Uh, something a bit different. And in the West, it's Fresno State's to lose there. So it looks like shaping up to be uh, Fresno and I would say Boise, but Utah State continue to put up big numbers. Okay. All right. If you get any of the rest, I'll be impressed. So will I. The Mac? Ah, uh, jeez. Uh, no, I got nothing. Okay, so Buffalo uh, lead that one, but they got beaten up on the weekend by Ohio which was a bit out of character. And, and in the West, it's NIU. In the Sun Belt, in the Eastern side, you've got Troy or App State, which is the last game of the year. Yep. Uh, then in the West, wow. If you think the Pac-12 was a mess, Arkansas State, Louisiana Monroe, and Louisiana are all in contention there, and I can't even work out how to sort out who's going to win that one. And then in Conference USA... So are we talking San Diego State here? No San Diego uh... State. Uh, Conference USA. They're in the Mountain West. Are they? Yeah. There you go. Uh, Conference USA in the East. It's FIU over Middle Tennessee at this stage. And then in the West, UAB, who, although they lost to Texas A&M on the weekend, two years ago, they didn't have a football program. Yeah, that's crazy. So really, really impressive turnaround for them. All right, so hopefully that gives you a bit of an update on the group of five teams to go along with the uh, Power Five teams. Any other news for this week, Will? Yes, I, I have some news and I want it to lead us down a path. Okay. So, uh, I'm not sure if you heard yet, but uh, is it Mike McIntyre yes. at Colorado? Yes. Another coach done. Yes, So, correct. he's out. Yep. So, it is college duck hunting season. Okay, <laughs> okay. Coaches are scrambling now yep. to try and save their jobs. And there is a number here that I want to go through and you tell me whether we're hitting them, knocking them out the sky and they're done or you think if you think that they are safe. Okay. So let me start with the team that you support, the Miami Hurricanes. With Mark Richt. Mark Richt. Uh, he is safe this offseason. Yep. Uh, he's put a lot of money into the program, which gives him some... Uh, I guess, a bit of extra time, which helps. He donated a million dollars to the new indoor practice facility, uh, which helps. It's a good way to keep your job. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I think he's got an opportunity in this offseason to make changes, and every coach deserves that opportunity. This is his third year there. If he makes those changes, gets in that offensive coordinator, gets a new offensive line coach, then he can do what he did at Georgia, and that is be the head man and have his way still, but he can direct things. And I still think that's his go and that's what he's very good at. I think he's safe. The Florida game to open the season next year is going to be a big, big test. If he has another year like this, he is seriously in trouble of not making it through Thanksgiving next year. I think you are right. I think uh, expectations are higher at Miami and they should be battling for a playoff spot, not to be bowl eligible. Correct. But at the same time, he's only three years in, so he should get another year. All right, let's move this along and have a look at another ACC coach, Larry Fedora. Fedora. 
Yeah, so the Tar Heels are what one and six, two and eight, two and eight, but one and six in conference. conference Sounds I about think. right. Uh, so I think he's gone. Okay. I there's nothing. He's had his chance. He's had some, good, and this is a down ACC. It's a down ACC coastal, and he hasn't performed at all. Uh, it's time for them to move on. I don't actually know how long he's been there. He'd be there four or five years, which is generally the tenure you get to turn that thing around. I think it's a bit longer than that, but yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um, and, you know, if you haven't done it in that time, then it is time to move on. Yeah, so but Larry Fedora is... By all accounts, he's a really good dude, Larry oh, Fedora. Oh, no doubt. And he's in good near. But I think you are right. I think uh, he's on borrowed time yep. in Chapel Hill. All right, let's keep this moving. Clay Helton, USC. Now, I don't know where I sit on this. I don't think that Clay Helton is the man to lead them forward. Having said that, he won the Pac-12 last year. Last year. But USC is a big, proud program. Sam, There's a lot of people suggesting that Sam Darnold and Ronald Jones, the two guys that are now off in the NFL, and of course Sam Darnold, arguably the best quarterback in the draft last year. When you lose a guy like that, you get found out as to whether you can actually coach. And it looks like Clay Helton uh, is being left wanted a fraction. And I think he'll be safe through to the end of the year, although it wouldn't shock me if he's gone. I think he's gone early next year, though. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, they've got Notre Dame this weekend. I think if he can pull something out of the hat there and win that, then he saves his job. I think without that, he's in big trouble. I think he's done this offseason. Wow, okay. I think that for them to not even become bowl eligible, and especially a loss to UCLA who are down this year, really doesn't go over well in that town. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him on his way out and one of those hot prospect coaches taking his spot. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I know he's on board with the athletic department. They like him, um, which is always a positive position to be in. I just think that you generally get a bit of extra time with a freshman quarterback potentially, uh, and he's only one year removed from you know that win of, of the Pac-12. I will say, though, that USC supporters are almost unanimous in their belief that he is not the guy to get it done. And when that happens, it doesn't take long uh, for the support to fall away and then changes need to be made. Yep. Okay. Next one over the Big 12, Cliff Kingsbury. Nah. I think he is safe this year. I think he's had a fantastic year with a true freshman quarterback in Alan Bowman and then Jet Duffy's done some good things. His offense is doing really, really good things. They've lost their last four on the bounce and need to win this week to be bowl eligible. So whilst you think they had a great season, it hasn't been. They could end up with a losing record. And yes, they're playing Baylor this weekend. They will be favorites going into that. I think if he drops this game, whilst popular with the players and the media and the players' mums, I think he's definitely on the hot seat. I think he's bought himself another year. Who are you getting in at Texas Tech in his place? Like, It's not like Lubbock is... uh, a real sorry, Dom. It's not like it's a real like big attractive program. You're right, but they would be looking around. They would see uh, is it Matt Rule or Matt Campbell or Mark Rule in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. and the jobs that they've been able to do, and thinking, man, maybe this is something that we can bring in. Maybe we can go after you know one of those group of five high achievers, the offensive coordinator out at Utah State, and give him that next step up. Yeah, I just offense isn't the issue. <laughs> Like, they're putting up scores. It's, can they get their defense sorted? If they can get their defense sorted, they're scoring enough points to hang around. I don't know. I think you give Cliff Kingsbury another year uh, and see if, you know, the Red Raiders can continue to push up into that middling fraction. Let's keep this moving. Two more. SEC. Don't want them missing out on the luck. Gus Malzahn. Ooh, interesting. Auburn. Seven and four this year with Bama on deck. And it's not a good seven and four either. They have been irrelevant for the most part, uh, going back to, I mean, they won the SEC last year, but then lost to UCF in the championship game. Oh, sorry, in their bowl game. Ooh, the SEC. Did they win the SEC or did Georgia win it? Sorry, Georgia won the oh, SEC, Georgia. but they made, won, the they made the championship game. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah. But gee, if there's a state in the country that does not accept losing, Alabama would be it. 
and Auburn will not handle you know the results they've put out this year. I wouldn't have thought. Ugh. There's no one to take the job though. Auburn's an attractive place. Oh, one hundred percent, definitely. But who do you put in there who is ready for that gig? I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that. I mean, you often think that, but guys come out of the woodwork. Uh, maybe who's the offensive coordinator at Ohio State? Um, Day. He could come down potentially. I know he's the guy in waiting up there for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and that's going to be sooner rather than later the way things are looking. Yeah, but I don't have a great answer for you. I'd have to do a bit more research, but they're not. They'll find someone. They're not going to accept okay. another year like this. So I think if I don't think he's gone at the end of the year, but he's on the hot. He's on the hot. He's on the hot seat. Okay. Uh, last one, old mate of mine, Lovey Smith. Great. Beard. Good beard. Excellent NFL coach. Well, he was at the Bucks for all of a year. Got the Bears to a Super Bowl. Yeah. He's had nine wins in the last three years at Illinois. Ugh. He was... This had to be the year for them. They really needed to... Because they blooded all those guys last year and they were playing a lot of sophomores... Those guys have now matured and had an extra year, like freshman, sophomores. Now they're kind of juniors, sophomores, and a few seniors. And this was supposed to be the year. And they'd shown signs. They've put in some good performances. But again, where are you going from there with... with and I'm not saying you just accept it as a program like Illinois, especially when uh, the Big Ten has been down in part, particularly in the West. But... You know, where do you go? Where do you go from here? Like, who are you going to get to that Illinois program that is going to turn the corner for those guys? And again, you go one of those young ones probably, but... Yeah, I think so. You go someone a little bit more progressive, I guess. Lovey Smith's probably more of that old school style and it hasn't really got it done there. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if he, if they stick with him, if they continue down this process. I think, he, again, I think he's another one that goes in hot next year. I don't think you remove him yet. I don't think that's the best move for that program. You give him another year, and if he can get more out of that offense, uh, then potentially he has done enough to, to stay there and do a good job. Okay, that was a good fun duck hunt. Yeah, all right. Wow. Right, there's, I mean, there's still. it seems like there's less coaches on the hot seat. Like less those bigger programs like yeah we're talking about Gus Malzahn but there hasn't been any noise around that yet uh, and I know there's still a ways to go but generally that noise starts to happen now if it's going to start turning over we're starting to see coaches drop uh, so we yeah, should if he, if he gets blown out fifty to nothing against Alabama which you know a few fair few teams have suffered that fate this year then. It'll only get louder. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on, I guess, the positive side of this, Les Miles has been Got a job. announced as the new head coach at Kansas. So, well done to him. How do you feel about that? Uh, it doesn't really bother me. I guess he brings a brand name, I suppose, to a Kansas program that would that would like that. I, Again, you're in a tough spot there at Kansas. You're good at basketball. I, I don't know... Yeah, I mean, I, he, I don't know the likelihood of turning around. Like we say, turning around a program, but turning it around to what? Kansas haven't been good for a long time, so and you see very few guys come in. And yes, you might make some programs good for a year or two, but to actually turn them around and make them a perennial team that can compete, it just doesn't happen very much. Yeah, well, and I think they would like to see any sort of improvement. They've been so yeah. bad for so long. I think where it's going to be interesting is that Les Miles wasn't able to get it done at LSU with the elite talent. Yeah. Like top five recruiting classes year after year yeah. and couldn't get over that hurdle. This is a completely different ball game. He's got to build this program from the ground up. Mm. He's not going to have that talent. Whilst he might be able to make a couple of uh, splashy moves and, and recruit a couple of guys, it's going to be a whole new world for him out there really trying to get the most out of your three-star guys rather than relying on the immense talent that he's been used to. Yeah, and I mean, he always had good defenses, so he hopefully has that going for him. He's going to need it playing in the Big 12. But he yeah. did a decent job at Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last one is Virginia Tech has scheduled a conditional... And I find this one quite funny. Has scheduled a conditional game against Marshall 
as both of their games were cancelled earlier in the year. Now, is it a, it's a conditional game because Virginia Tech currently holds the longest record for consecutive bowl games at 25. So they their first bowl game was in 1993. They have played in every bowl game since then. Sorry, not their first, but they've played in every bowl game since 1993. Now, if they win this week, looking at a big, big, heavy-hitting slate of games next week, just quietly, if they play Virginia, if they beat Virginia, then that Marshall game is on to hopefully continue their bowl streak. If they lose it, season done, bowl streak over, that game won't go ahead. They're throwing the tail in. Yep. So, wow. so it's kind of a, this game suits us if it suits us, and if it doesn't, we're not playing it. That's an interesting one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've never heard of something like that. It would be interesting if they didn't have this bowl streak up for grabs, if that was a thing. But clearly, they believe that they can make it, obviously, and you would. But I find that one a bit of an interesting one. It's a bit of a lame bowl eligibility game. But, yeah, I mean, you are entitled to it. They would have played exactly it earlier right. in the year, exactly so... Right. It just seems funny that you it's conditional in that you're happy to play it if you're winning, but when you're not, you're just like, nah. Which, again, does that teach these players the right thing? Possibly not. Yeah, we thought about that in our footy this year when we are playing the bottom team last game of the year. We were second. Like, it didn't matter if we won, lost, whatever. We were second. We're like, hey, can we just sit this one out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing to gain here. Yeah, this yeah. team is awful. Let's yeah. just sit it out. Didn't. Played. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you want a flag, mate. All right, let's quickly go to Bring Out Your Dead. Bring out your dead! All right, let's have a look. So, another week with not all that much action up top. No, definitely. There was one big one, though, and that would be the Mountaineers going down to Oklahoma State. Yeah, in a tight one. Yep, which gives them two losses, and that's is all she wrote for Dana Hogerson, Will Greer, and the boys from Morgantown. Yes, but but they can still play their role. Yes, they, they can. They play Oklahoma this week and could well and truly... If they win that game, uh, that will take Oklahoma out of the running for the Big 12 championship and West Virginia will go in their place. So whilst it would essentially rule the Big 12 out of any hopes of sending someone to the uh, playoffs... Man, it would be great to see that. <laughs> Still see West Virginia uh, win the Big 12 or potentially play in the Big 12 championship game. Yes. All right. Game review time. We don't have a lot to report on in terms of the games that we focused on because they were all relatively one-sided and kind of went the way we thought they would, except maybe the Syracuse-Notre Dame game. So we'll start up at... Yankee Stadium. At Yankee Stadium, yeah. And this is the first of a couple of Wade Lee's ass whoopings on the day. So Notre Dame win this one 36-3. They were wearing some weird uniforms. What do you think of them? Uh, I didn't actually hate them from a distance. Up close, they didn't look great. But from a distance, they were okay. Bit of a throwback. Yeah, well, they were wearing like a pinstripe pant to sort of look like the Yankees uh, yeah. baseball team. So, yeah. Uh, Ian Book was back starting for the Irish. Syracuse started off really, really slow on offense. Eric Dungey got knocked out of the game yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah, and it just didn't... He threw a pick early and then got knocked out of the game, and I was just like, this is nuts going well. And then the uh, the Notre Dame defense just completely stifled that Syracuse offense. They threw three interceptions and not in great places. Syracuse averaging 488 yards a game. They only managed 234 this week. So, you know, it was completely dominated by the Irish. Chase Claypool got loose and, and led the Irish in the passing game. Dexter Williams was pretty much contained on the ground, which is probably something that as we move towards beauty points and style points, they would want to be able to get him going more consistently. But G noted Dame looked good probably for the first time i'm saying this i've had questions all year but they look legit they yeah. could have easily come out sluggish and kind of slept walk through this one they didn't do it they can win with ian book both throwing and you know running the ball their defense is fantastic uh, and i've probably undervalued them a fraction so good job to the irish and they move on definitely i mean you talk style points they were playing the number 12 ranked team in the nation and they completely blanketed them slightly 
overinflated at the moment. It, though, it I did think feel Syracuse. like that going in. I mean, I, I like Syracuse chances on offense. I thought that, you know, they might be able to expose Notre Dame, but it wasn't the case. 36 to 3 is a Wade Lee's whooping. Yeah. And Notre Dame looked incredibly impressive in that. And I mean, it's been their defense. Uh, there's a number of really good defenses this year, but Notre Dame and Michigan are definitely on that side of the ball as good as the top two, maybe. It's the other side of the ball that where I'm not so sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'd, having said that, their offense has been not a well-oiled machine by any means. They tend to win and put up points, but it tends to be in the same style each week. And you're going to have to be pretty balanced and, and be a, just as dangerous on the ground as you are through the air to beat a Clemson or to beat an Alabama when it comes to that, or correct, if and when correct. it comes Ian to that. Ian Book has... Br- has- Brought some life to that offense. Oh, massively. But you need something real special. Yeah. And he's got... I feel I feel like they've got it. I feel like the Irish, more so than they did in that game, the National Championship game against Alabama when... Uh, was that middle linebacker they had? Mante Teo had that fake girlfriend and all that sort of stuff where they were massively pretending there. I think Notre Dame are legit this year. And yeah, good on them. And, and I've been impressed by the Irish, and it hurts me to say it, but they are a legitimately good team. So well done to Brian Kelly and the little fighting midgets. Yes. All right, let's jump to the Big 12. Iowa State 10 went down to Austin and lost to the Longhorns, who scored 24 points in this one. A defensive struggle in this game, which is a bit unlike the Big 12, mostly. Uh, but G Texas have got some weapons. I'm super impressed with Sam Ellinger, who may be one of the best co- quarterbacks in college football. All of a sudden, I know he's carrying a bit of an injury, but I've been saying that for a while, dude. Yeah, I know, and I wasn't on board. But you pair that with Colin Johnson, who was back for this week, who is just a smooth, smooth mover. Uh, and along with Lil Jordan Humphrey, who may be the best contested wide receiver in the college game, who's now over a 1,000 yards on the year. Wow. You have to respect Sam Ellinger's arm. You have to respect his ability to run the ball, and he sees... It's almost like... I don't know if he was a running back in high school, but he sees the game like he was. He's patient. He waits for his blocks. He sets up his blocks, and then he can explode over a defender as well. I think he's he's always been a running quarterback, and he has tree trunks for legs. Yeah, he does. Dude has booty. Yeah, I mean... And it's just power. You can see that. He he lowers himself and just pushes with those legs, and, I mean, he's more powerful than some of the linebackers he's coming up against. Yeah, so... It's, It's incredible, but it's getting him hurt. Yeah, well, it is. And do we know the seriousness of this shoulder injury? Something about no, an AC. So he ended up, yeah, he ended up sitting most of the second half. Yeah, uh, with Shane Bouchel having to come in, who played really well in relief, actually. Just, didn't didn't miss a pass. <laughs> just ten straight up, righto. Bang. Yeah. So yeah, impressive effort. Uh, and the Texas defense did a really good job. Brock Purdy has been lighting it up. Uh, but as I predicted, I thought it was going to be a bridge too far in this one. Um, and just a little brag there. Well done. Yeah, well, I don't get many right, so <laughs> I'll take them where I can get them. Yeah, uh, yeah, they they did an excellent job. Another of of note: two Aussie punters going head to head in this one. Yes, Corey Dunn at Iowa State and Ryan Buchevsky at uh, Texas. Yep, uh, great to see that happening, and they both had really good days too. So Corey Dunn had six punts for an average of forty seven with a long of sixty one. Solid, solid. Which is unleashed. And Ryan Buczewski was also quite solid with uh, five punts at 44 and a half. So those two uh, definitely have bright futures out of them at both of those schools. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that Brock Purdy, if I just jump back for a second, Brock Purdy didn't play as well, but I don't think that he actually played that terribly. I think he was just forced to play bad. It was the first time Texas defense has rocked up in a few weeks. So well done to them. Uh and, you know, they had really struggled recently, but he just didn't have too many mates. David Montgomery was out for the first half, and I think his his absence whilst, oh, you know, hindered the run game, but it was in pass protection. They just looked lost. They couldn't protect him with that running back uh, as that extra blocker, and it made life really, really hard for him. But again, as a freshman, he'll learn, they'll move on, and, and it's been a really, really good year for Iowa State. And I think they still can make the championship game. I think they need a whole bunch of results to go their way. 
But Texas, if they win over Kansas next week, are in. Which, whilst we said Texas weren't back, or you said that Texas weren't back, they're not that far off of it either. No, no. Well, I mean, I said they were, I was hoping they would be at the start of the year, and then they kind of let me down with that first one. And since then, they've definitely been impressive. Uh, they've not been, you know, a dominant force by any means, but they're definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, and they're young still, particularly exactly right. on the offensive side. I think this is going to be a team that can do things. I think Tom Herman's got them going in the right direction, which is the first thing we've been able to say about Texas since, you know, Mac Brown was about 20 years younger. <laughs> Not quite that long, but, you know, probably since their national championship run uh, back in the early 2000s. So, I've been. I was impressed by Texas, and they won it differently, and that's always a good way to do it. Uh, they, you know, they covered the one and a half points quite comfortably, win by two touchdowns. Texas move on, and and they'll be in the college in the Big Twelve Championship game. I would say. Yep. All right, and lastly, college game day: Cincinnati at UCF, and the Knights get up thirty-eight to thirteen. A real non-event in a way. I mean, I watched the the start of it and UCF's first play from scrimmage resulted in a touchdown for Cincinnati. There was a sack fumble uh, for the Bearcats and they fall on it in the end zone. Since his defensive line looked really, really good and their defense started quite well. But after that, Mackenzie Milton just took them apart and there was nothing really that Cincinnati could do. They didn't allow... Cincinnati an offensive score until the last quarter, halfway through the last quarter. So, you know, UCF wanted to make a big statement game and they did that. Definitely. And they continue to be there on the doorstep, knocking away, ensuring that people hear them and see them. Uh, and hopefully they continue to get recognized. Yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Milton is the brand name player down there that everyone knows. Uh, even you know your, your part-time followers of the bigger programs know Mackenzie Milton, but this yeah. one was very much the defense getting it done. They had a field day and were camped in the backfield, uh, forced three fumbles yeah. on uh, quarterback Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. Yeah, old boy Titus Davis, three sacks. Yeah, just having himself a field day and super impressive on on that side of the ball because. They're known as this powerful, high-scoring team, but it was very much the defensive work that stood out to me in this one. Yeah, and that has been their Achilles heel going back to last year and then again in parts this year, particularly their ability to stop that passing game, and they managed to do that. Uh, I was impressed by Pat Jasinski at linebacker who racked up uh, 10-ish kind of tackles and, like you said, Tyus Davis who... We had those three sacks, but they're going to need more out of that defense to continue to be a legitimate threat on the national scene. Uh, so, I yeah, I was, again, impressed by UCF, and if I was getting rid of someone from my championship draft team, I'd be getting UCF in because I think they are going to be the next team to come in if the car- carnage that you... I think is going to ensue. If that does happen, then I think UCF okay, so have to got, be considered. You got them over Washington State? Pac-12 champ? Just curious. Yeah, don't know. Okay. I think if Washington State lose to Washington, yes, for sure. But I don't know where they fall away. Or I mean, I think they finish behind. If Oklahoma win the Big Ten, of course, they're behind them. Georgia, they're behind them. But the, to me, they're ahead of LSU. And then after Washington State, I would have UCF. So that would be kind of how I would rank them. Anything below them, they have to be cactus. But if that carnage does happen, then you know, you're looking at potentially a two-loss Big 12, a two-loss Big 10. You know, you can't, that can't happen. And I think UCF have to go in over them. Yep, okay. All right, so good day for the Knights. And they prove that they hopefully belong in that conversation. All right, other games from around the country. Let's start in the Pac-12 Utah, without their starting quarterback and their starting running back, win 30-7 to uh, at Colorado in the snow. And as we said, got Mike McIntyre fired. Yeah. Washington State, where I'm rolling a Gardner Minshew moustache at the moment. You are. So, that's yeah, where that's come from. I'm okay. looking fresh. That makes fresh. A, lot of, a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, they put up 55 points in the first 
half and uh, the Cougs hand out their own Wade Lee's ass whooping to Arizona, 69 to 28. I'm sure you'll talk about Gardner Minshew a little bit more later because he went crazy. He did. Washington finds a bit of an offensive kick this week. And if you need a team to make you feel good about your offense, play Oregon State. Uh, they win that one 42-23. Jake Browning actually played a clean game for the Huskies, which was good. UCLA win a back-and-forth game with USC, uh, mainly on the back of Josh Kelly's 40 touches and 290-odd yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns. Uh, they win that one 34-27, just to really ramp up that noise around Clay Helton. And Chip Kelly gets his first win in the Battle of LA. Arizona State gets knocked out of the Pac-12 South race against Oregon. Uh, 31-29, but I reckon Eno Benjamin, Nikhil Harry, and Manny Wilkins may be the best triplet in college football. Okay. They're up there. Uh, what are your thoughts on Herm Edwards' first year and the success he's had with the Sun Devils in Tempe? Uh, it's been a bit up and down this year. I think they've played in a number of close matches. Uh, well, they didn't lose by seven points, which yeah, is disappointing. Yeah, I mean, that's been kind of their Achilles heel this year, isn't it? That seven-point mark. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's been somewhat positive. I think it's tough to come in first year and put your stamp on a program. And he's done that. He's started to have things go his way. I don't know if he's going to be all that successful there. I'm more of a fan of the young up-and-coming coach than the old ball coach. But I don't know. I like him. He seems like a fun guy. Yeah, and uh, he can get a team going. Yeah. He can get a team going. That's he's what, a, he's that's a motivator. He is. I... I was doubtful, skeptical. I was like you. I was like, they've gone for a name here rather than taking a risk potentially. It wasn't a super risky high. It was in a way, but they haven't gone out there and gone and got like, I don't know, there was some talk around like Ken Niamatololo or something, like a triple option guy to come in. They haven't done anything like that, but he's done a good job. So I was impressed. Stanford Cow got cancelled due to the air quality issues with the fires in the northern part of California. Those fires are terrifying yeah Have you looked up on that no. at first i was like i saw during the games they were talking and they were like sending their prayers out as they do and then you know while well, we're starting a fund and all i'd really heard at that point was kind of that malibu mansions were on fire i'm like yeah miley cyrus can have my 10 bucks because <laughs> she really fucking needs it yeah but no there's like 70 confirmed dead yeah. and like 1500 people missing yeah, there, no, there could be like a thousand people dead at the end of this. And we're talking like hectares, uh, like half a state is on fire. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And it's not uncommon in California. I mean, not similar, dissimilar, sorry, climate to here in Australia in some yeah, parts. Yeah, but it would be absolutely terrifying. Some of the footage that I've seen like afterwards, the aftermath of all these cars that are just completely burnt out because it comes up so quick and overruns you. Oh, yeah. nightmare. All right, into the SEC, which was a fantastic weekend of heavy-hitting games, or not. It's no. just like the... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do they win by? Combined, like, 200 points or something? Uh, the SEC Cupcake weekend. Kentucky gets that winning feeling back against Middle Tennessee. They win 34-23. to Florida smash Idaho, Wade Lee style. 63-10. LSU, 42, beat up on Rice, 10, whose only win this season is against Prairie View in week one. So a tough year for the Owls. Tennessee couldn't back up their good win last week, and they get routed by Mississippi in the only probably decent SEC game this week, outside of probably Vandy Old Miss. Uh, but they win that one 50-17. Mississippi State destroys Arkansas, 52-6. Just more... Wade Leasing going on there. I thought that one might be a little bit closer and, and the Chad Morris era hasn't really started that well at Arkansas. He's a bit iffy there, so hopefully the Razorbacks can turn that around a little bit because I'd like to see Chad Morris and that uh, open offense really get going. It's going to take time. It will. Alabama were tied up at the half <laughs> against the Citadel. How does that happen? At 10-0, I don't know. They just couldn't handle the triple option, I guess. They just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, well, there's that as well. They win 50-17 to in the end, but they finally did... The Citadel did something that neither LSU uh, nor... Who's the other one? I don't know. What, the, scored? The week before, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scored. So, um, well done to the Citadel. Fantastic. You should be playing in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, Georgia do their thing against UMass. They win 66-27. to 
Auburn just get things tuned up against Liberty before the Iron Bowl next week. Wade leads to the tune of 53 to nothing. Texas A&M control UAB the whole way. UAB score a couple late, but that one's 41 to 20. Vandy and Old Miss went weird and went into overtime, but you'll be happy the boys from Nashville uh, get their win. Go Doors. Go Doors. Uh, 36 to 29. South Carolina beat up on some terrible team. I think it was Chattanooga. Don't even care anymore. And they get ready to play Clemson next week. All right, into the Big Ten. Talk to me, Will. Probably the one of the best games of the weekend, certainly in the earlier slate, Ohio State against Maryland. They failed to answer any of the questions that have been surrounding that program and their ability to stop anyone. Uh, but if you didn't see the finish to this, uh, wow. Yeah, what a crazy one. Yeah. And how's Dwayne Askins? Just, I'm going to put the team on my back. Yeah. That dude has an NFL future. Yeah, he does. He's got a long. He's got a ways to go yet. I know he's a freshman. He does, but he, yeah, he's super impressive. Uh, scoring six touchdowns on the day and really taking the game by the throat when it looked like they were done again. You know, this was another one like Purdue where I said going into it, there are a bit of a risk here yeah. of slipping up, and it looked like it could very much be the case because they can't stop anyone at the moment. No, and I mean, they had to convert a fourth and two or three in overtime to to hang around in this one. Uh, Wade Lee, speaking of the man himself, who's just really good at fighting, uh, threw a pass on uh, in the fourth quarter on fourth down. Fake punt, threw a pass. Uh, Complete it. He did complete it, Beauty. and they went and scored off of that as well. Throwing punches. I still hated. So Maryland uh, went to overtime. They tie the score and then go for two. Go for it. Yeah, at 52-51. I, I hated the call again because yeah. guess what they did? They roll the quarterback out, and he throws incomplete. I just – the numbers uh, – maybe I've got confirmation bias here, but the numbers continue to stack up for me that this – Rolling of the quarterback out, it may be your percentage play, but we continue to miss it, so it's not becoming your percentage play. You've got a quarterback who's a runner more than a thrower. Yes, the pass was there, and that's what everyone says. Like Even in the Oklahoma State game, oh, the pass was there. Yeah, great, but he missed it. And again, he's missed it. So I just think in that game where Maryland had all the momentum, you kick that and then you go again. I, I didn't agree with that call know, at all. It's, it's another one where he's wide open. He like, wasn't wide open. But again, you're asking a quarterback to do something that he's not that comfortable doing. He should be. He should be. If he's playing the quarterback position, that's a pass that he needs to make. And I mean, I think the moment maybe got a bit, uh, bit too much for him. Uh, I like the call. I didn't. Not in, not in that game. Not in that game. Because Ohio State were done. Urban Meyer, again, still didn't look real healthy. That continues to be a talking point. Yeah, but this is a perfect spot now for Ohio State. They own Michigan. And everyone is expecting Michigan to come in here and just completely roll them because they've been playing so much better. But Ohio State has still got dudes. Yeah, they do. And, and they're going to score points. It's, but... it's going to be backs against the world. Uh, backs against the wall. Everyone in the world against us. Like no one can, no one's backing us in to do this, and I, I really like Ohio State's chances. Uh, I don't. They're gonna, they, they can, they concede another five hundred plus yards. That's not gonna get it done. Nebraska beat Michigan State, uh, but not really in the fashion that I thought. They win that one nine to six. There was some inept quarterbacking on both sides by Rocky Lombardi and Adrian Martinez, but Michigan State's offense is terrible. Just terrible. Wisconsin and Purdue go to triple OT to sort their contest out. Uh, Wisconsin outlasts the Boilermakers, who appear to be just falling, flailing a little bit here to finish the season. Jonathan Taylor is amazing, and I'm sure you'll discuss him later as well. But Wisconsin win that one 47-44. Indiana make things really difficult against Michigan. They hung around for a long, long time, but eventually the Wolverines eke out that win, 31-20, to and they look to Columbus next week. We talked about Lovey Smith a little bit earlier, but all the pro- progress that he made earlier in the year with the fighting Illini really counts for nothing when you get Wade Lee's to the tune of 63 to nothing against Iowa. 
Penn State get over Rutgers 20-7, and it feels like the Nittany Lions have mailed it in a fraction. Northwestern handles Minnesota 24-14. In the ACC, Pitt beats Wake Forest as Kenny Pickett has a big game for the Panthers. They win that one 34-13. NC State again confirm that Louisville can't play defense. They win that one 52-10. Florida State get a decent win against a ranked BC, 22-21. Doesn't give me any great confidence in Florida State still. But... No, the fact that we're, we're impressed that Florida State uh, has beaten Boston College does not bode well for the state of the Florida State by, program. By a point at yeah. home, and uh, it took a, hey, took a long touchdown pass at the end, deep win, in the Wins a win. They need to move in the right direction, and that'll help. True. Uh, Duke started quite well on both sides of the ball. They looked like they had a bit of a recipe for beating Clemson. They were up at quarter time. Not that means much, but they went with this kind of quick passing offense. Daniel Jones took a lot of hits for the Blue Devils, but... Uh, they got pressure on Trevor Lawrence, forced him to make a few bad plays, but Clemson end up overpowering and really just destroying them to the tune of 35-10. to 10. I was really impressed with the Clemson uh, defense. I know we've been big up uh, the defensive line, of course, uh, with Clean and Farrell and you know all his mates, Brian, all the plethora of players that they have yep but Tanner Muse was fantastic I thought the safety position I was really impressed with how they went about it Georgia Tech beats Virginia 30 to 27 Virginia made a whole heap of special teams mistakes in that one and didn't put them in a good spot but in doing so they hand Pitt the ACC Coastal Championship and now Pitt get to be creamed by Clemson lucky them lucky them Uh, Miami halt their four-game slide and become bowl eligible against Virginia Tech, 38 to 14. Went deep dive too far, but still nothing particularly creative on the offensive side of the ball. They did produce some more play calling that resembled something smart. General just spread box count stuff. If there's more people in the box, throw it. If there's less, run it. They actually threw the bubble a couple of times, then they were able to run. So. Anyway, uh, moving into the American, South Florida goes down to Temple in Philadelphia. Temple needed UCF to lose their last two games for them to make it through, but that hasn't happened. Uh, they win anyway, 27-17, to 17, but they will not be playing for the championship game there. Utah State stay ranked as they beat Colorado State 29-24. Did you see the end of that one? I did not. Hail Mary by Colorado State, wide receiver, voluntarily... Steps out of bounds, bounds. catches the ball in the end zone, doesn't count. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, TCU gets past Baylor in another just awesome game by TCU, Hmm. 16-9. Oklahoma didn't silence any doubters after giving up 40 points to Kansas. 55 to 40. What are your thoughts on Oklahoma? Oklahoma? Are they, if they win the Big 12, are they a legitimate chance? Oh, I mean, things really need to go their way. They need teams to drop. I think offensively, they're as good as anyone in the nation. So I would like to see that go up against these stout defenses that we talk at the top. But they're just giving up way too many points. You can't give up 40 points to Kansas. (laughs) Maybe they're looking ahead to the West Virginia game next week. Uh, Kansas State gets through a broken Texas Tech offense for once. You talk about Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, putting up six points against Kansas State is not great for them. Uh, they go down 21-6. to six. And lastly, the Big 12 doing it again. Oklahoma State gets on top of West Virginia, 45-41. to 41. Down by 17 points at halftime. Down by 10 in the fourth quarter. What are your thoughts on the Pokes getting another big win? Yeah, I mean, this one was a game of two halves. Uh, First half, West Virginia were in control. They had all the momentum. They were moving the ball with ease and putting up points, and Oklahoma State weren't. They were turning the ball over. Uh, Second half, it was all Oklahoma State. They had all the momentum, and they were, I don't know, scoring every time they had the ball. And West Virginia couldn't do anything to stop it. And then they were sputtering themselves. They weren't turning it over, but it was three and out. Oklahoma State had the ball again. They were scoring again. So, very enjoyable game for me to watch. Uh, Taylor Cornelius really stepped up. So, he had a, a poor first half with a couple of interceptions that were quite costly. 
But then, huge second half, really impressive effort from him. Uh, got going with his legs, ran for over 100 yards. Yeah. So he's, he's a big boy at over 6'6". Six, six. Uh, doesn't move all that well, but like deceptive for a guy his size. Uh, he did well, and Chuba Hubbard in the second half as well. Chuba Hubbard. Without Justice... Good name. Yeah, great name. Yeah. Without Justice Hill suiting up uh, with a bit of rib injury, uh, he was the go-to guy. He went for 134 yards on the day, and that you could really see when they came out of halftime that they were going to commit to the run, and it paid off. Yeah, and I was impressed by another wide receiver, Dylan, Dylan Stoner. Dylan Stoner, Dylan Stoner yeah. who, who had a really good game. I know you've got... Ty- I'll get these names wrong. Tyler and Wallace and... Tyler, I can't remember the other guy. Uh, Tyron Johnson. Ty- Tyron Johnson, sorry, the two ties. Uh, always really fantastic, but I thought Dylan Stoner um, was really, really good. What does this do for your season, though? I mean, to me, I would be it would be bittersweet for me because you've beaten the number nine team in the country just this last week. You beat the number six team in the country at the time and probably a team that's going to go on to the Big 12 Championship. Potentially both teams are in the Big 12 Championship and you've beaten both of them. You lose Bedlam to Oklahoma by a point. Yeah. Which is, I know such thing as a good loss, but a good loss. So many positives, but you are in the bottom half of the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit crazy like that. I mean, happy that we're bowl eligible again. So keep that streak going. We might end up playing you guys. (laughs) I mean, that'd be a good game. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be awesome. But uh, yeah, it, it is a bit bittersweet because... When you are a decent team, it's harder to take those losses to Baylor and to Kansas State and to whoever else we lost to. I mean, there is enough talent on this team. It just didn't all come together. And you really do need that to be the case at the college football level. You, you really need the stars to align for that to happen. This is probably an eight or nine win team, not a six win team or a seven win team that will be when they beat TCU this week. But, hey, that's not for granted either. So, yeah, disappointing, but the future is bright. The receiving core is strong. I've got a highly touted quarterback uh, in the wings in Spencer Sanders. Another creepy serial killer name. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I'm already looking forward to next year. Okay. <laughs> what about Mike Gundy? Uh, is there a chance? I know he was fielding calls last offseason. I know he put it to bed. But is there a chance that he gets some more? I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that people will question him about his interest of leaving. But is that a chance that he may move on? I think it's highly unlikely. He just does this every year. He has a good season. He flirts with a few other teams, goes back to school and goes, I want to raise. They give it to him and he sticks around. Yeah, okay. Like, it's a genius move. <laughs> I really like it. I need to start trying that myself does he have like boom pickings on speed dial i I need another check here brother (laughs) correct correct and he's very public about you know flying into wherever it is that he's going it was tennessee last year and yeah i I don't know it's he played quarterback at oklahoma state he's a country guy through and through the guy like hunts rattlesnakes and shit so (laughs) he will not be leaving the program okay well i think as long as he's there oklahoma state are going to continue to be relevant um, although there is a big difference between playing spoiler and then being kind of the team that is winning and being hunted by all these others. All right, time to move on to have yourself a day. Okay, let's uh, let's fly through things here because we are running a little bit late. We can't see because it's pitch black in the studio <laughs> now and... We have no idea what time is, but uh, yeah, things are running on, so we'll fly through this one. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Gardner Minshew, boss, 43 of 55, so I don't know what the percentages are, but that's high. Yeah. 473 yards, a lazy seven touchdowns. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, they do have a pass-friendly offense, but Jesus, that is... He's just settled into that offense really nicely, though, That's he? incredible. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State, put the team on his back, uh, got them the win. He went 28 of 38 for 405, three touchdowns through the air, three on the ground. What a day. Tua Tagovailoa. You're getting, you're getting closer, yeah. Thank you. Uh, he was playing against Citadel, but man, he's just 18 of 22 for 340 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. That is insanely efficient. Mm. So 
incredible effort. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, another one you mentioned, had a career day. And when you're a guy like him who has had some big numbers, a career day is something to turn your head up because he went for 33 carries and 321 yards, averaging nearly 10 yards per carry and three touchdowns to boot. So that's huge. Uh, Anthony McFarlane at Maryland, in their loss, had 20 carries or 21 carries for 298 yards. So 14, How does that even happen? <laughs> 14 yards per carry, two touchdowns against a high state, against, like, dudes. Their run defense sucks. It's no good, but wow. Uh, Puka Williams yeah, yeah. out of Kansas had 15 carries for 252 yards. So that's 16 yards a carry. That's a, another incredible effort there. Uh, catching the ball, we saw A.J. Brown, a flashes of what he can do. So he's a top draft prospect. At Ole Miss. At Ole Miss. He had nine catches for 212 yards in a losing effort uh, and a touchdown. We also saw Keyshawn Johnson, or Keyseen Johnson, depending on how you want to say that. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it's Keyshawn. At San Diego State, had 10 catches and 141 yards. Are they talking like old school Keyshawn Johnson? Like yeah, I know. That's what caught my eye. New York life. Jets, 10 Bay Boxes. Anyway, push on. Uh, and then we had Sean Modster at Boise State, who's yeah. had a good year. Uh, nine catches, 129 yards, and three touchdowns. That is some big numbers. The numbers just continue to get bigger. On the defensive side, I have not really two guys. I've got two things. Titus Davis, who you mentioned at UCF, three sacks, four tackles for a loss for the Knights. And I'm going to give this one to the entire Notre Dame defense. Uh, 11 tackles for a loss, six sacks, three interceptions, and they kept uh, one of the top offenses in the country to 234 total yards. Tavon Coney led them with 12 tackles, uh, and had one and a half sacks or half a sack, uh, and he had a fantastic day. But overall, a fantastic job by one of the nation's best defensive units. Okay. The Australians in action, Will. A bit of a disappointing day for those guys, but talk us through it. Okay, so a few boys went backwards here, but the top five remained as is. James Smith, college game day, all the eyes on him, and he stood up, had himself a big day, and has moved himself now into fourth position in uh, our rankings in the nation. So first in the Aussies, uh, Mitch Wisniewski dropped back a couple of spots to six, so those two have been trading places now for a couple of weeks, but both having incredible years. Uh, Max Duffy in behind them, Aaron Sipos and Tyson Dyer round out our top five. So those guys have been in there for quite some time and doing an incredible job, consistent, performing for their teams, which is really good to see. Uh, a few other guys who had really good weeks and, and jumped up in the rankings, Kirk Christodoulou at Pitt. Yeah. So he's going to an ACC championship game now and, and he'll be helping them out and probably will be called on a fair bit against Clemson. <laughs> Uh, another couple, Adam Corsack at Rutgers and Luke Magliozzi at the University of Connecticut also had themselves very handy days. Okay. Uh, it is time now to get into... I'm getting closer to the, to the best section of the day. I'm getting really excited. Building. I know. The Heisman hopeful wide right washout, bold predictions. Yeah, let's fly through this one. So I was on uh, Syracuse Ooh. to beat... Notre Dame. Notre Dame in a in an upset didn't happen. Not even close. Bad. Yep. Bad. I had the top ten standoff. Everyone searching around looking for that team to lose. Everyone's kind. Of, it's kind of like the room where everyone's like shotting tequila and they're all going one for one. Who's going to be the first one to spew? It was West Virginia. Yes. They just hurled all over the place. So uh, they lost to a very good team. Yep. <laughs> and maybe shat themselves as well. But they are now out. My bold prediction went sideways with Oklahoma State's win over them. Now, it is time for On the Punt. I don't know. Do you want me to do it? Do you want you to? You, you go. Know. You okay. go. You've got the numbers. I'll, I'll give you, you know. a bit of a rundown. So, okay. as we've been through On the Punt this year, I had uh, 11 cracks at it. I had 11 weeks of backing games in, at the end of which we were negative uh, 29.7 <laughs> units, which is... Fucking atrocious. (laughs) It's really bad. If you take only my winning weeks, so only the weeks where things went well and add them up, I made us a sum total of plus 
10.9 units. Yeah, Pretty good, good when, when it sounds like that. Yeah. Uh, Aaron stepped in last week, as I'm sure everyone is aware, and just jagged it. it was <laughs> just bang, 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 bang. First three, got it done, plus 10 units hey. on the day. So he's pretty much eclipsed what I've done in a year. He's dug us out one third of the way out of the hole that I'm in. Almost got me enough money to go traveling. I'm back. I'm eating this week. Oh, well done, mate. <laughs> okay. I am pretty happy with it. I just get to sit here and... I'm yeah. right with it. I'm, I I don't know whether to get out now, though, get ahead of the game. And... Oh, we've still got 19.7 units to make back. <laughs> okay. You know anything about gambling? <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So I had three units on Nebraska to win. They did that in a gross game, but a win's a win. Exactly. Uh, two units on West Virginia at Oklahoma State. So I needed the I needed to go over 71 and a half points and Oklahoma State to cover. Was that... not looking good at halftime. No, it wasn't looking good at halftime. I knew we'd get the over. That was always going to happen. But then we, we we got that one. Boys really turned it on. Yep. Early in the day, Northwestern at Minnesota. So I took the under and Northwestern to cover. That happened there. The one I missed, or badly, was the two units, uh, Iowa State at Texas. Texas to cover, which they did, but they got nowhere near the 49 points. I think uh, it was, yeah, I think it was 52. So oh, I'd, yeah, I'd also uh, had a little better myself just to back in because I knew you'd do all right this week, beginner's luck and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a cheeky half unit on all of them combined together, paying $128 that one. So that would have been really handy. <laughs> Unfortunate to miss out, but hell of a start. And the last one, we had a flyer one unit on Syracuse, but that was no good either. That's because you were listening to me there. Yeah, you I know. Learn. I... No, no. Well clear. And the other thing that was said, I was like, I was a bit nervous about this Iowa State game, and you were like, this is the one I feel good about. So exactly. The idea is whatever red flags. Yeah, uh, whatever Will says doesn't go. All right, that brings us to the end of our Week Twelve review show. Now, looking forward to Week Thirteen. Just quickly, we have got a massive, massive slate of games. You've got the Egg Bowl. uh, You have got the Iron Bowl. You have got uh, Florida State, Florida. You've got Clemson, South Carolina. You've got Georgia, Georgia Tech. Oklahoma, West Virginia. Oklahoma, West Virginia. What else am I forgetting? I don't know. There's plenty. We'll cover it off in the next show. But, man, this is an exciting time of year. You park yourself on the couch and do not go anywhere. As always, do hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at College Football Down Under. Tell all your friends about us. Make sure you get the word out there. Leave those five-star reviews. They also help a lot as well. My name's Aaron. That is Will, and we will see you next time. Yeah.